You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie. Years ago, years ago when I was a lad, uh, as, a, as a young trainer, I remember going through and building my business as a trainer for corporate gyms. And I had worked for several corporate gyms as a young trainer, built, built an incredible book. And, and I also had a, an incredible sense of loyalty with those. But the question that I'm asking right now today is when, when is it time to go independent as a personal trainer? When can you as a CPT say, it is time to go out on my own? And I'm not talking about opening your own gym. I am talking about being a trainer outside of being an employee of a corporate gym. When is it time for me to go somewhere else? Can I rent space? Do I do stuff out into the park? Do I start a boot camp program? Do I uh, put, put it in my garage and have an own, my own gym out of my garage? When's it, when's it time? to move forward and go out, strike out on your own as an independent trainer? When's it time to become independent? Well, I think for me, I had left a company that I was very loyal to, to take a management job with another company. And it wasn't something that really vibed well with me. So I came back to that job and I worked at that job and I feel like I, I kind of broken some of my loyalty a little bit. So I was like, let me just start building up some sessions on the side. And that's that's kind of how this movement started for me. And we'll, we'll get into it. But I've got a list of things that I want to discuss. And I have subtopics underneath it. So first and foremost, before it is time for you to go independent, we're asking the question, when? When's it time to go independent? Number one thing that you have to ask yourself is, does it make sense for you to go and become an independent trainer? Does it make sense for you, first and foremost, does it make sense for you to you financially? Is it financially reasonable for you to make this? Now, most people, it is, it is financial, it, it, boom, right? Like it is, it is much better financially to go independent. Right. So what uh, some people might do is they say, OK, well, I'm if I charge the same amount that the corporate gym is charging and I train people, but now I'm making all of that money instead of making 20 percent of it, 30 percent of it, then that's that's a big thing that helps people make their decisions. It's time for me to move on and do that. Well, the, financially, that might make sense, but there are a lot of other things that you have to consider. You have to consider, and I'm going to get to those in just a moment. But the second thing is, what about the facility? Do you have a place to train them? Because especially you're training somebody at a corporate gym, they usually do a pretty decent job of having equipment that you can use at your gym. So if you're saying, hey, it's all right, let's cool. Let's just go out and do some bands out in the park. That might work for a little while. And some of you might be able to make it work forever while. But not everyone's. It's not you. It's just the lack of variety, the lack of equipment, um, being in an environment where it's subject to the weather. 
like, is that the right thing for your clients? And some of your clients are going to be like, hey, I love you. I think you're a great trainer. I just can't do this. I can't keep doing this. Maybe I'll train with you once a week like this or a couple times a month. And they're going to try to let you down slowly. But eventually, they're just going to leave. And they're going to go back to a gym that is air conditioned, a gym that has equipment, a gym that and, and maybe even another trainer who is happy where they are. And that makes the clients happy. So you're not going to win all of them. But do you have the facility? Now, the second one is basically a bit of what I talked about. Number one, which is, does it make sense for you? Number two, is it going to make sense for your clients? Are they going to be into it? Are you going to have any clients that it, that when you leave, they say, I, I would like to train with you where you are? And I get a lot of inquiries. So as, as you may know, I own a few gyms in New York City, and they are for independent trainers. I rent space to independent trainers. So independent trainers, they come to me. They rent space for me. Usually by the session is how we do it. We rent space by the session. For this much money, you can train out of this facility. You pay me this. You charge your clients whatever you charge them. And so you still get the lion's share of the training session. That's great. But I have a facility. Do you have a facility that you can go to? Once you leave those gyms, once you break away and say, it is time for me to move out on my own. And I know that we have this discussion and you have it because you say, well, there are no more tiers for me to increase my pay. There's no more time in the day. I can't raise my own rates. When the gym raises their rates, they don't raise how much money I make. So when does it make sense for me to move out on my own? Well, one, it's got to make sense for you, but two, it's got to make sense for your clients. Do you have a facility to train them out of? And if not, do you have a plan? Right. And again, you can take them out into the park. And I know some people that run classes and train one-on-one. -on -one. It doesn't matter if it's raining. That's what boot camp is, right? Like it's raining, it's cold, it's hot. None of that matters. This is when the class is or this is when the sessions are. And you come out and you present. And we work out in this. But with what? With what equipment and how long can that last? So it's just a question. It doesn't mean you can't be successful doing it. It's just things to consider on your client's part. Is your client going to be into that? And as some of you live in really cold areas, some of you, like where NASM is based in Phoenix, I mean, going out into the park and doing that will dry you up like a prune. So some of those clients are like, you know what? I moved to Phoenix because I want to live the cushy life. It's time for me to retire. I'm not going to be working out in the park. So find a facility or find a space that works for you and your clients. And also, you have to think about this, location. How far are you going to have to travel? How far are your clients going to have to travel? I'm in New York City, which means uh, 10 blocks could be far too much out of the way for me to travel. Like that's out of my neighborhood. I'm not going 10 extra blocks when my gym is right here close to me. All right, so maybe that location doesn't work. Or it could be very close, but if you have to cross a park in New York City, heaven forbid you cross a park, that is too far away. And I know the same thing because I used to live in a town, Florence, Alabama, and crossing over into Sheffield, Alabama was very close, but we had to cross a bridge. It made it feel like it was just forever away because we had to cross over a bridge. So does the location, whether or not it's close, does it work? Does it work? Does the vibe work? Does the environment work? Does the feel and the ambiance work, not just for you, 
but also for your clients. Now, number three, so we said, does it work and make sense for you? Number two, does it work and make sense for your client? Number three, this is the biggest issue. How are you going to get new clients? And you say, well, I don't have to really worry about that because I've got uh, 40 sessions a week that I do. Let's, and we're, we're spitballing. We're making this up, right? 40 sessions a week. That means if I go from only getting 30% of those sessions to 60% or 100% of all of that money, I'm going to be so rich. I'm going to have so much money that I won't know what to do with myself. Well, uh, I know what you might want to start doing with yourself is even before you have to do marketing to get new clients, even before you have to do PR to get new clients, even before you have to do networking to get new clients, you need to start doing those things even when you have a full book of clients. You know why? Because they're going to leave at some point. At some point, you're going to have clients that go, oh, I like the other place better. I'm just going to go back to to the blah, blah, blah gym, and they're going to go back. All right, that's one client down, maybe two. And then some clients are going to be like, I'm moving to Texas because apparently that's where everybody moved during the pandemic. So we got people moving to Texas. The only people that aren't hurting for business are the trainers in Texas. So we have people moving to Texas. All right, so now those clients are gone. And now you have three clients that are out of the the 12 clients that you had. And you're like, it doesn't matter. I'm making so much more money than I was before. All right. Well, that's, that's not going to stay that way. You know how I know? Because year over year at the training gyms I have, if you look at the training roster and I can go back on any day and I can look at who trained on this day in 2019, this day in 2020, this day or this week or this time frame, this quarter. And if I move one year forward, I don't see half the people. If I move two years forward, it is an entire new list of people. Why? Because I'm not giving good experience at my gyms. No, that's not it. That's not it. My gyms are awesome. Don't know. Why is that? Because it's a, people have a very difficult time maintaining rosters. And that's what's great about working at a corporate gym. That's why I'm saying, does it make sense for you? Because working at a corporate gym, it's steady. Working at a corporate gym, you may have medical insurance. Oh my goodness, remember all that extra money you made? Is it enough to make up for the medical insurance? Is it enough to make up for the marketing? Is it enough to make up for the promotional activities and for the PR and the networking? Is that enough? Because people that come to gyms and pay for a membership, you already know they're interested in fitness because they're already at the gym. How do you find those people outside of the gym? How do you, how do you find people that are already interested in fitness? And that is one of the challenges for trainers as they work at a corporate gym and they go independent. The biggest issue, the biggest issue, how will you get new clients because you're going to feel real rich for a month, a quarter, a year as everybody sticks around or most people stick around. And then eventually the leaves start falling off the tree. How do you grow them back? How do you build back up? All right. Point number four. Let's look at this. I like this, this model a lot, which is the one foot in one foot out the door. So you have one foot in, 
at your corporate gym and you got one foot out. So you're playing both sides. You're doing a little bit of training in your corporate gym. You're maintaining your corporate gig, but you're also now like training in the park. You're now also doing a, maybe a, a boot camp. You're maybe also now going towards some of these independent training gyms and training some clients out of it. You might be saying, hey, come over to my house. I got some, some equipment at my house. Let's train in the yard or let's train in the garage or the basement, whatever, whatever you got. There's a one foot in, one foot out. So you start to build your independent business while still at your corporate gig. And that can work great. That's how, that's how I did it. I maintain plenty of corporate business while starting to build some business independently. And then I start to build more independent clients and more independent clients. And I was very honest with that. I never ask any of my clients that were at the corporate gym to be an independent client until I left the gym completely. And still, I never asked them. I just told them what I was doing. And then I let them make the decision to whether or not they would come with me. And some corporate uh, structures have things that you're right. And they say, oh, you can't take any clients with you. You can't do this. And they have you sign off on it. So just be aware of what's out there. And then if you're curious whether or not that can be upheld because people do also have the free right to work with you if they want to, then to maybe consult um, uh, legal consult and see if that's something that is going to make a difference. And then of course the gyms would also have to know that's happening and they might come after you. So be aware of potential consequences when you go, Hey everybody, I'm leaving the gym. You want to come and train with me elsewhere? So you got to be aware of that. And, uh, and, and again, like I never pushed it. I never marketed it. I just said, I'm leaving the gym. I'm going to be at this place. Right? And they go, oh, really? And some people are like, hey, wherever you go, I go. Uh, you're my trainer. You're my guy. I'm like, oh, very cool. Thank you so much. And some people are like, um, you know, it's really nice here. And of course, the first place I went to was a little dodgy. So when they came over, they're like, I don't know. I'm going to go back to that other gym. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. Because some of the independent gyms or the gyms that allow outside trainers to come in, independent trainers to come in, uh, they may not have the feel, the vibe, the ambiance that of the previous place you were at. So it just depends. All right. Number five, start working on your business before you make this leap. Identify how you're going to get new clients. Run the numbers based on your current client list and your training schedule, and then account for loss. You have to account for loss and you run those numbers. Does it make sense for you? I remember I had a guy that... He went independent and he came over and I worked with him so that he would uh, work on some of my fitness facilities, uh, my one on uh, Bryant Park in New York City. And he was kind of like the, the manager there. He just kind of helped the place be clean and make sure that, that it was tidy and that people were booking their sessions and paying for their sessions. And it was great having him. And he brought a, a, a large book of clients with him. But by the time the end of our opportunities rolled around. He was working more for me than sessions that he was training. And it wasn't of value to him anymore because there is loss. So just be aware that there will be some loss. You want to make sure that you run the numbers, but then you also want to make sure that you identify your market. 
you have to identify who your clients are. We talk about client avatars and the chances are you already have the, all, the ideal client that you want. So how do I get more of those people? And then you've got to create those marketing strategies and use some of that extra coin. Oh, you're so excited. You're making so much more money now. Well, use some of that extra coin. You just can't sit there and say, hey, go check out all the new shoes that I bought and check out all of this. You need to be buying equipment if you're on your own or if you're starting a, a, a boot camp outside or doing your outside thing or doing the gym in your place. Like You have to purchase equipment. That's going to cost money. You need to spend money on your marketing. you got to spend money on your business. You also probably have to hire somebody to consult with you on what is the best way to bring in new business. And the best time to do it is before you need to do that. So identify your market and then figure out how you're going to let that market know that you exist and then bring you in or bring them in to work with you. Number six, talk to other independent personal trainers. Talk to other independent trainers. Lots of them if possible. If you only know one, then you got to talk to that one. If you know 20, you need to talk to all 20 of them because you need to know, is that the best gig for them? Or are they going, man, well, I quit working at that place. Now I don't have any clients and they won't hire me back. So I can't go back. I think what I see a lot of is there are people that start up corporate trainer, then they go independent trainer, and then they go and sell insurance or something like that because they just don't have the capacity, the means, the understanding to build clients because they don't know how to build their own business. They know how to be a trainer. This is like the e-myth mastery issue, right? They know how to, you know how to be a trainer, but do you know how to be a business owner? Because being a business owner and being a good trainer are totally different things. So can you be a good business owner of your own training business? And then number seven. Number seven is being an independent trainer can be amazing. <laughs> it can be amazing. You have the opportunity to set your own rates. You have the opportunity to lower your rates for people that need it to raise your rates or have a base rate that's a little bit higher. You can provide whatever packages you want. And it gives you the opportunity to, to build your brand, not just set your rates, but you can start to build your brand, your identity as a business. Start to build your brand. The other thing that you get to do is figure out how you can offer additional value when you work for somebody else, this is the gig, like training one-on-one -on -one and then whatever else the company offers. But you can't say, hey, let me offer you, uh, this is a nutritional coaching because I'm an NASM certified nutrition coach. Well, that's not what I'm going to pay for. So that's not what the company allows me to do. But I have the ability to do that now. Or I knew one place that was like, you can only do one set. We're the one setters. You can only do one set on any given exercise. Well, when you're on your own, you can do however many sets you want because you run your own business. So this is part of what is the additional value that you can offer? Can you do, are you a wellness coach? Can you start offering wellness coaches? Can you do empowerment work with some of the coaching stuff that you've learned through your wellness coaching and your nutritional coaching? Can you um, focus on 
more athletic things because the facility that you train in is only a bunch of machines. You don't actually have the room or the space or the setup to do performance-based coaching. What, uh, what additional values? Do you use the NASM Edge app and give them, this is your recovery program. It's going to be in your app on this day. And then you can sign up all your people on the NASM Edge app and do your like off-day training through the app. What's your value add? Because when you have a good value add, like whatever price that you charge is probably not a bad offering as long as it is of value. And so if you increase your value, you can also increase your rate. And then finally, my last point underneath, this is awesome to be an independent trainer, is oftentimes your schedule is not your own. Anytime you're a trainer, even as an independent trainer, but it's better because you do have more control. You don't have somebody on top of you going, listen, I've got this client for you. They have to train at this time. Can you do it? And you say, oh, I really don't want to do it. But you get pressured, you get pressured, you get pressured by the fitness personal training manager, the general manager, this person, these for you. And you, you really need to train this person at this time. And you don't want to give up business. And you don't want to give up business anyway. But as you grow and you mature as a trainer and you become an independent trainer like me after 4 p.m., unless it's a, an important moment, right? Not an important client, an important moment. Like, hey, I can't work this out and I really need to do later. Otherwise I can't make it. And I may occasionally just be like, all right, let's do it. And I'll call my wife, make sure I have nothing to do. Kids don't have anything lined up. And then I can stay a little bit later and train. But otherwise, like after 4 p.m., uh, I'm done. But I also start at 6 a.m. So that kind of makes a difference for me. What does that mean for you? Or do you just train all day long? And also, as you are independent, be careful that you're not doing independence. I mean, it's great to go to people's houses. That's amazing to go to people's houses. But sometimes that travel eats into the amount of time and the money that you could actually be making if you had one place and people came to you. So also be aware of that. But it, that going to people's houses might be the best option you do have which I didn't even mention early on. I should have. You, If people have places for you to train them in their house and you have an equipment list and you say it would be even better, is this your equipment? If you got a place to put it, I'd like for you to have this and they can come over and I can train you with this equipment. Anyway, when is it time to go independent as a trainer? So here's the list. Does it make sense for you as a trainer to do it? Number two. Will it make sense for your clients? Number three, and the biggest issue, how are you going to get new clients? Number four, maybe you want to consider the one foot in, one foot out the door method. So you're training a little bit at a corporate gym and doing a few independents. Number five, start working on your business before you make the leap. So start figuring out how can I build my independent client base before I become an independent trainer? Because if you can train, if you can get clients, independently while you still have this other gig. You know that you can do it. You know that you have developed a skill set where you were able to get people to come to you. But if you can't do it, don't try after you've already left the corporate gym. Try while you're in the corporate gym so you still have the corporate gym there. All right. Start working on your business before they make the leap. Number six, talk to other independent trainers. Talk to a lot of other independent trainers 
and find out what their experience is and see if that sounds like an experience that you would like to have. And finally, number seven, for a lot of people, it can be amazing. It can be awesome. It can be a great experience because this is the first step really as a business owner. You don't really jump into, I want to own my own gym and start training and have your own gym first. Like if you can't have your own independent training business, which is free to have, I don't know if I would jump into going into debt and spending a lot of money on building out a gym when you don't even know if you can start your own independent training business without the gym. So think on these things. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Independent trainers, corporate trainers, all you fitness professionals out there, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I appreciate you got questions for me. You can reach out to me on Instagram at dr.rickritchie, or you can email me rickritchie at nasm.org. Remember, like, subscribe, share with other fitness friends and family. I would appreciate it. Like, subscribe, and leave comments. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.